At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. Yeah! Touchdown! This is Panther Talk with head coach Matt Rule, presented by Morris Jenkins. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. So, punt knocked away. Knocked away from Washington. Ball loose in the end zone. The Panthers race in there and pounce on it. Zilstra. And it's a touchdown. I'll tell you what, this feels so much better. And that's that's all I kept saying when we were leaving the field today. You know, like, we, we need to keep doing this. This is so much better than, you know, these past couple weeks. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Mick Mixon with Panther Talk. Live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. Some people have crazy notions about NFL football that maybe winners, people who are trained to win and practice to win, rehearse to win, should not win so that they can get a higher draft pick or some, some such thing. Here's where I want to start tonight with Coach Rule, Matt Rule, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Coach, welcome to the show. What, what do you want Panther fans to know about why it was so important to you and your team to, to win that game yesterday? I mean, it's a hard question for me to even answer. Um, I've had to, have had to answer it several times. Um, you know, like I, I believe in the Carolina Panthers and, and, and what they stand for. And we, we have a goal, a mission statement of being the very best franchise in the national football league and whether that means whether it's a christmas tree giveaway or the way that we travel and eventually it's winning games and uh, winning the first uh, super bowl trophy lombardi trophy bringing it back here to the carolinas uh, to me it's a way of life it's a mindset and so teams that talk about losing their way or failing their way to success it hasn't happened many places i don't you know the steelers really haven't done it the patriots haven't really done it um, you know, um, it just really hasn't worked. And so I think for us, we're going to err on the side of, of trying to build greatness, trying to be excellent in what we do, trying to make sure that every time someone pays $1 out of their pocket uh, to, to watch us play, whether it's paying your cable bill or paying for a ticket to come to Bank of America Stadium, that you know you're going to get an honest effort from our team and from our coaching staff. And so um, with that being our mindset, we want to go out and try to win each and every time that we step on the football field for our fans, um, for ourselves, but most importantly for the Carolina Panthers and what we want to stand for. And if we do that long enough and we do that uh, consistently enough, the byproduct in my mind will be championships. Um, but you can't fail your way to success in this world. And, and coach, I wanted to stay on that same subject. Isn't that counter to everything we're taught as football players, just growing up in peewee football and also doesn't that also create a culture of losing when you have that attitude? I mean, absolutely, yes. You know, we, as I said in the press conference today, you know, we, we took, we drafted seven guys this year. Two weeks ago, we went to Lambeau, and all seven draft picks played in the game. Um, to, you know, because Troy got hurt six guys. We had 10, 10 first-year players played in the game yesterday. Um, 
for me to go out there and 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 have them and they're, and they're going to be with us for me to have them do anything other than try to win how does that advance what we want to be in the future so um i appreciate the question it's a great debate it's fun you know i mean it's one of those things like you know when you sit around and you, you talk about it hey we should do this we should do that but you know if you listen to jj watt yesterday if you listen to jason kelsey two weeks ago you know winners win winning organizations win try to win at everything and Carolina Panthers are a winning organization. We want to win at everything we do. And uh, coach, while the goal every week is always stated around this building is one and zero and trying to win, you've also been adamant about it's also about while doing that, uh, building that culture is the underlying theme that goes along with all of that. Whether it's a win or a loss during that particular week, as you end this first season with one game to go uh, for one year's worth of work, do you, do you feel like you're where you, where you need to be in terms of that process of building that culture and planting the seeds that you're trying to build here? Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, we're, you know, we're right now we're sitting here, we're a five and 10 team. That's not what we want to be. Um, that being said, you know, the goal is always to win, but our purpose is to try to be great at everything we do and try to, you know, try to instill that, that, that culture, that mindset of excellence, where the only standard we have is to be elite at what we do. And so uh, we haven't matched it, but I think when you look at the way that our guys practice, when you look at the way our guys go out there and every week, I, I feel like they've gone out there and given, a great effort every week. Um, I think we've made huge strides in a really, really tough year and a year with, and a year with COVID and a year with no OTAs. I feel like they've come a long way. And um, this game is really, really important because of that. Uh, but as we head into the off season, you know, at the appropriate time, now we have to continue to build off of uh, what we've done. Matt rule, our guest, he's joining us live on Panther talk, Mick, along with uh, Eugene and Jim coach who got game balls yesterday and why? Uh, you know, Curtis Samuel uh, got a game ball. I thought he was outstanding. Um, stepped up when we needed him and made huge plays. Um, to hear Whitehead got a game ball. You know, he's a guy that's uh, hasn't played much recently and uh, made a huge play that led to points that really won the game for us. Dante Jackson got a game ball. You know, they came after him five times, including a late fade in the end zone at the very end. And he he answered the call. He played a fantastic football game as did Trey Boston, you know, Trey got, getting the interception uh, was active all day. So I thought those guys were awesome. You know, Zach Kerr afterwards set up and said, Hey, you know, Charlton should get one. And he's right. I mean, Charlton was uh, just, just changing the game with his ability to punt the ball and get them down inside the 10, including one that led to a touchdown. So, you know, I thought we had a lot of great efforts, but those guys really stood out to me during the game. Coach, you got a unique perspective because you, uh, arguably maybe coaching one of the defensive rookies of the year in Jeremy Chen. And also you got to play against one of the the, the guy who's a for, in the forefront of possibly winning, Chase Young. What makes these two men deserving of that honor? Well, they impact the game. I mean, they, they, they make game-changing plays, um, you know, strip sacks, uh, ripping the ball away, scoring touchdowns. Um, they're both great, great, great players and tremendous talents. Um, you know, Chase was selected second overall in the draft. Everyone knew what player he would be, and, and uh, we were lucky uh, to, to have a chance to be able to coach Jeremy Chan. I think he's he's been wonderful this year. It will only get better. Let's take the defense as a whole now, Coach. 
the last win before this one was in November against Detroit, twenty to nothing, a defensive shutout there. And then Vikings and Broncos had some success, obviously in the passing game. Those couple of games, and the Packers started that way. But second quarter on in Green Bay, Washington yesterday. What what are some of the elements that are kind of coming together for this defense late in the season? Yeah, you, know, you bring up those other games. I think it's you know one of the things that we talked about was you know the Vikings game was we were dominant until I think like at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter got away from us. And then the Broncos, we played really, really well at stretches and then would give up a big play. So, you know, we've been challenging ourselves. We started out poorly last week to try to put together a 60-minute game. You know, and even at the end of this game, they drove the ball down the field and, and, and got a touchdown. And, you know, that, that obviously bothers us. You know, we still have to improve. Um, but I felt like this was one of our more complete games where we we played for 60 minutes and we didn't give up you know we didn't give up silly plays and we didn't give up an extended drive that resulted in a touchdown in the red zone you know for us to hold them out of the end zone Th- those were huge things for us and so I just think we're getting better and better I think Phil Snow's done a fantastic job this year and I say Phil I mean him and his whole staff but I think our guys are, are getting better they're figuring out more you know each each week more and more ways to uh, impact the game coach Matt rule on Panther talk how did Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, play in the game yesterday, Coach? Well, he made some huge plays. I mean, he made some huge plays. I think the one of the unsung pl- uh, plays of the game was the third and 14 ball that he threw to Curtis Samuel. You know, got us in the right plays. You know, uh, Trent Scott went down. Sko went over to the left side. I mean, he was, you know, we were, uh, they were coming after us. We were under a little bit of the rest. But I thought for, you know, after that point, for the most part, you know, he managed the game. And we did what we did needed to do yesterday to win the game. You know, we weren't trying to, win any uh, beauty pageant points. We had the lead early. We felt like we were playing good on defense. We tried to, you know, manage the clock in the second half, run the ball, and and come away with a W, which we were able to do. And, Coach, how difficult is it when you are playing so well, you you get the other quarterback, the other team's quarterback taken out of the game, a new quarterback comes into the game, he starts to have some success. So what is the approach of having the new quarterback come in? Do you change schemes or do you – what do you do during that point of time? No, I mean, we stayed with what we did. You know, we had a couple, we had one or two uh, busted assignments that led to some plays, which, you know, in the game, we just said, Hey, let's, you know, we were, cause we were pressuring, but you know, we, we were, we were, you know, we were going to make them drain the clock to move the ball down the field. You know, I think right now onside kicks are about a 5% chance. You know, we have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson as our two catchers. We feel good about that. So we, um, you know, we didn't want to let them go down the field and score, but, you know, certainly not. But um, but but we just knew that we just couldn't give up a big play. We had to we had to just continue to be disciplined, keep trying to get pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, we're still working. You know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, closing out games. You know, Yitor got a sack on fourth and two, usually fourth quarter sacks lead to wins. We needed probably one more sack on that last drive. But, um, you know, we made them drain the clock. We made them drain their timeouts. And in the end, DJ made the onside kick recovery. And, you know, we uh, we were able to walk away with the W. Got New Orleans coming here on on Sunday, and like so many games this year, that was one of those close ones uh, that could have gone either way, 27-24 last time. And kind of share with the folks out there your your approach of what you guys looked at with this Washington game and now this one, kind of treating them with the mindset of being playoff games late in the year, December, in this case early January, for future use, hopefully next year, as far as kind of building that end-of-season mentality and what you're trying to cultivate with that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think, I think, you know, you're remembered in football for what you do in December and what you do in January. And so um, obviously we're not going to the playoffs, but with a young team, you know, you know, we have, 
a lot of guys that are supposed to come back next year. Um, what, a, what a tremendous opportunity for us to, to what a tremendous opportunity for us to have a chance to pr- get some game like reps, get some end of season reps. And, uh, you know, going to Lambeau was one playing in this game, which was a playoff game for the Washington football team was another. And this is the week where the saints are fighting for the first, the one seed. So they're going to bring their a game. And so it's not a, necessarily a playoff game, but it will be certainly playoff uh, playoff like intensity. And if we can, if we can step up and answer the call, um, that'll, that'll really benefit us down the stretch. Coach, going back to the Washington game for a second, how big was that? Because you talked to us some about the middle eight, the last four minutes of the second quarter, first four of the third. How big was that third quarter drive? Even that it didn't get any points, it seemed like it took a big chunk of the third quarter off the clock. Yeah, it took eight minutes off the clock. Um, you know, that that was huge. I, and and, and as, as important as anything, I mean, we won time of possession by 10 minutes. We had two 10-plus play drives. We would have liked to have more points, but that kind of ball control, that kind of efficiency, um, you know, always helps your defense play better. Great hearing your voice, Coach. Appreciate it. We'll let you get back to your family, worker, or a little bit of both. And uh, congratulations again on a great win yesterday. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Matt Rule, head coach, Carolina Panthers. You can play FanDuel's Gridiron Pick'em game for free, win $1,000. Use your Panthers app on your phone, register now your free account, and get ready for the next game. FanDuel says if you're not already playing, what in the world is wrong with you? FanDuel, official partner of the Carolina Panthers. Show me on the card where it says Broadcast that. right here, right here in black and white. Broadcast roundtable coming up next. We've got a big show for you tonight. You'll hear from Yitor Gross Matos. Jake Christopher DeLome will join us Long distance, live from Louisiana. And right now, this time out on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. So you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. This is Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Bridgewater turns away from us, hence to Samuel. Samuel sweeping right. Good move, 50 to the 45, the 40, down the sideline, 35-30, pulls away. Samuel will not be denied. Finally wrestled down the six-yard line. What a play. Tight splits, eye backs off the Armagh block, and it's Davis reaches out over the goal line. Looks like a touchdown. No signal. Now they signal touchdown. We knew that they have a great defense in top five in pretty much every defensive category. Um, you know, we uh, we wanted to be you know excellent in the red zone, um, which in the first half I think we were two for two for touchdowns in the red zone. Um, we wanted to uh, convert third downs, but we most importantly we wanted to run the ball 35 times. And if they came down and played run defense. We wanted to have the ability to throw the ball outside and let our receivers make plays. And um, I thought for the most part, we did that in the second half. We had a couple turnovers, you know, sack fumbles. Um, you know, Trent Scott went down um, and, uh, you know, they, they have a good rush. And so that that was uh, obviously something that we have to get corrected. But I, I was proud of their effort. I thought they moved the ball. They ran the football and, um, and, and most importantly, scored when we were in the red zone. Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins, continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Broadcast Roundtable brought to you by GEICO. There's a way you can save money. Great news from GEICO. Switch to GEICO. And in 15 minutes, just talking with them, they could save you 15% or more 
on your car insurance. So the Washington football team, a little bit of a hot mess up there right now. Were yes. either of you surprised with the news that they part company today with Dwayne Haskins? No. I tell you what, <laughs> as I watched that game, it just felt like he didn't want to be there. I mean, it, it, it just had that feeling that, I mean, even when I saw him on sideline I was like, and they, did, they were panning to him, it just, he just had that almost aloof, non-present, non-descript attitude that I'm not invested at all in what's going on right now. Now, I'm not sure if that's because of off, you know, some of the problems off, you know, off-season problems um, off the field, but it just looked that way, and that's going to resonate. That's going to go ahead and reverberate in that locker room, and guys are not going to want to be around you because you're the quarterback of the team. You're one of those captains, and when you got that attitude, and it looks like that attitude, it permeates everything else that you have to go ahead and possibly get rid of so that it doesn't become a cancer on your, on your ball club. It was a, a, a startling fall from being the starting quarterback at 4 o'clock to being released uh, by lunchtime today. And then the uh, second COVID violation last week uh, was well reported after uh, the game against Seattle. It's got to be, Eugene, too, more than just the football. His footwork was horrendous. Kirk Coleman kept talking about that with us during the game. I mean, he just, he just looked so awkward with his footwork and his mechanics there. But beyond that, I mean, you can work with a young quarterback. It's got to be a lot of, just like you said, he got stripped of being a captain, uh, the COVID violations. Uh, there must have been demeanor, meetings, other things that probably factored into this, don't you think? I, I absolutely believe that's got to be more to the story because I watched him the first week, last week. I was like, oh, this guy's moving pretty well. He's he's moving in the pocket. Kind of remind me a little bit of uh, Lamar Jackson, just a little bit of it. and Not the arm, but just a little bit of movement. And I said, okay. He may be able to give the Carolina Panthers uh, some work. When I saw him against the Panthers, I like he looks absolutely awful. It doesn't he doesn't look like they're even the same guy. And it looked like there's something was just that his mind is preoccupied about something other than football. And you know, unfortunately, this game is not for long. You can only play this game for a little bit, and you better maximize the opportunity when you have it. And when you don't maximize it, you find yourself on the outside looking in, hoping that somebody else picks you up. What's got this Panther defense playing so well in your mind, Jim, and in your mind, Eugene? I think a couple things is the return to health of some players. I think having Dante Jackson back there makes a world of difference in the secondary and then pairing him, obviously, with other healthy players like when Zach Kerr is back off the COVID list as he was this past week. Brian Burns being able to, to be able to play enough to even get a sack yesterday was amazing. You know, Derek Brown's continued evolution there. And, uh, you know, Eugene, we could talk about – scheme and style and this and that, you got to have players, right? Absolutely. And so when you've got some, some players that are learning that were rookies, it's kind of like college basketball. By the end of your freshman year, you're not really a freshman anymore. I mean, you should just know how to play. I think some of these rookies aren't really rookies anymore. They've played 15 games now. I think for some of these young players, it's kind of a culmination of uh, things coming together, not having training camp. Now things are starting to maybe slow down and make sense to them, and you can start to see that there there are some real gems. There's some really good players on that side of the ball. There's no doubt because don't forget when they're in college, they've all been stars. They've been the superstar on the team. They've been the veteran on that team that everybody looks to and go, hey, watch this guy. Watch how he does it. He does it extremely well. I mean, he's pretty smart. He does. He he has a great football IQ. That's what you get told. And when you get to the pros, you have to start all over again and be labeled a rookie. Look, all that education that football teaches you, I mean, it's it, it becomes money in your bank that you get to go ahead and draw without draw draw upon. And one thing I think that this team has been doing, they've been trending up defensively. And I said, 
This is a fast, fast defense. If they could ever just control that third down, if they can control third down and be on the plus side of, you know, down 35%, 40%, lower, as supposed to be a 55%, they're going to be in a lot of games. If they can start making those plays on the ball, interceptions, those fumbles, they're going to be in a lot of games because they play so fast. And I think to a man in that locker room, they believe that they are a really good football team, a really good football defense, and they believe they've been in every single game and put our team in every single game to have a chance to win it at the end. So I think that they're like, look, we want to show you who we really are because what this 5-10 and 10 record or whatever it is is not who they really are. They're a much better ball club than that. One of my favorite moments of the year, and there have been many with Coach Rule because he's, he's honest and, he, and he'll, he'll, he doesn't just rely on cliches. He'll teach you about football and about what's going on with his team. Remember a week or two ago, he's talking about Derek Brown, fellas, and he said, we worked with Derek Brown on some lateral movements. And just to what Eugene was saying, Derek Brown probably didn't need to, to affect the geometry of him and the man blocking him because he was stronger than that guy when he played in college. Mm-hmm. Bull Rush worked almost every time. But in the NFL, these O-linemen, they, they're packing. So for him to – get upfield with a, a strike, and then to work to the side, to just move a little to laterally and get the get on that outside shoulder or that inside shoulder of that guard or center, man, it's, uh, it meant the world. So I love that that happened, that teaching point, and also that Coach Rule shared it with us. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's you well know, guys like Brian Burns helping to teach guys uh, along the line with some different moves that he learns along the way. Injury updates are brought to you by Ortho Carolina. Brian Burns. Uh, not only the knee, but the uh, shoulder injury during that game. But he said he'll be fine with that moving forward to the New Orleans game. Trent Scott, though, however, not so well with the shoulder. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, coach, said uh, probably no, but we will see uh, as far as the final week of the regular season for him. Your personalized orthopedic care begins with the click of a mouse. Schedule your next appointment online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, your care, your way. One of the more commonly mispronounced names of the draft, people are knowing it now. Yitor Gross Matos. He'll be next when Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers radio network. This is Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Charlton to punt. Walks up, punts it. High spiraling punt, knocked away. Knocked away from Washington, ball loose in the end zone. The Panthers race in there and pounce on it. Zilstra. And it's a touchdown. Everybody's vibes, everybody's spirits are high right now. Um, that was a good football team, you know, a playoff football team. And, uh, you know, we're, we're out of the playoffs right now, so we're, we're playing for pride. We're playing to, uh, you know, establish ourselves for next year um, and really just finish out this year on the right note. Um, I feel like we we have a great team, and we just haven't really put it together this year. So, you know, today today was a good testament of what we can do, um, you know, how we, how we can play a full, complete game. Back to Mick Mixon, Jim Zoki, and Eugene Robinson with Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Meet rookie defensive end Yitor Gross Matos, a second-round draft pick from Penn State. Gross Matos says it felt good for the Panthers to close out a close game Sunday in winning fashion at Washington. We've had a hard time finishing games uh, this season, and we knew, um, you know, at the end of the year, you know, it was big and what like who you're judged by. And, Stuff like that. So we wanted to go out there and uh, leave on a winning note and go out there and compete no matter what. And uh, I think yesterday we finally, you know, 
got back on track and found a way to win in, in the game. He has had to overcome some physical discomfort in his rookie year. You know, I haven't had the best luck with uh, injuries this season. I've been dinged up quite a bit, but uh, it is not always going to feel great. And uh, I understand that. And I have a great you know, connection with these people in my room uh, and these coaching staff that drafted me. So I want to be out there, you know, if, I, if I'm able to. So it's been that way. And then uh, it's going to continue to be that way, you know, till, till the season's over. If I can be out there, I'm going to be out there. Yitor has tried his best to function, even not at 100%. I mean, I think you don't really play the same, but um, uh, it's just something you got to learn to, to play with and deal with um, and, and just find a way to find a way to win. Uh, which which he's, Coach Rule's been big on and uh, this whole coaching staff, and I think it's really seeded away into all of us. So what has this defense playing so much better lately? I think that's guys just trusting each other more, you know, believing in believing in what the coaches are saying and, and uh, buying into to the scheme and not trying to everybody just do their own thing. Like when we play dis- disciplined football, uh, we've been dominated at times. So we just got to continue to take steps in that direction and, you know, Everybody's got to be on the same page. Yitor feels the culture changing in Carolina. As soon as you step into the building, there's a there a culture there that you know the losing mindset is just not not accepted there. You know the Carolina Panthers. You know we want to be winners and we will be winners. Uh, so every game is you're gonna to have to compete like you are playing in the playoffs. It's how we've approached things, and uh, it's just great to be around. So we're just gonna keep competing no matter no matter with the situation. Finally, the pro game is starting to slow down for him. Absolutely. I feel like, you know, I'm understanding things better uh, about this defense and, you know, how I can impact it. And really just uh, on the sack, you know, just it was a nice play. Um, <laughs> Got to make more, though. Gross Matos believes this entire defense is anxious to perform well this Sunday against New Orleans. I know this defense wants to put four quarters of, you know, Carolina Panther defense the way we want to play on the field for the last game uh go out against the saints and uh and dominate so i mean i we, we just want to win he believes the future for the carolina panthers is extremely bright you know i think we got a lot of young guys like you said but uh we got some old guys too and you know i think you know what's beautiful is that i don't see much difference um you know i think the old guys are, are hungry to win and the young guys are hungry just as hungry to win and learn from those guys. And it's super, super competitive environment. And I think everyone's just going to keep growing and growing. And I think, I think we're going to be special. Finally, what's his level of confidence going in to the Saints game? I mean, I feel like the confidence is pretty high. You know, we've played explosive uh, offenses before when we, uh, everyone was doing their job and uh, not, not trying to do too much. And everybody was disciplined and we didn't allow explosive plays. We've been dominant, so I think if everyone um, on his defense, you know, buys in for this for this last game, and we can, you know, take a step even further in our preparation, I don't think there's any lack of confidence. When he is healthy, Gross Matos has got a lot of bend to him. He's awkward in a good way, according to D coordinator Phil Snow, and the entire coaching staff is confident he'll develop into a complete disruptive pro football player. Stay tuned. Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins, will continue. But first, this timeout. This is Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network.
It's Mick with the Zokin. Jeannie Rob, a little earlier today when I called Bro Bridge, Louisiana, got Jake DeLoma on the phone to see if he could come on the show with us tonight. He was all out of breath and couldn't talk to me right then because he was doing the Jane Fonda workout video. <laughs> and I said, Jake, it is a good thing I'm not on social media or they would take the banner down that is on the facade of the stadium. But Jake joins us now, all showered, shaved, and, uh, and, and having just metabolized some fat cells earlier in the day. How you doing, Jake? Um, I'm not doing well because I don't like to be teased and I'm getting teased on air. And I think that's very fun. Um, I guess in the Christmas spirit of things, you're not being very Christmas-like. Um, oh, my God. That's what it's come to. I He's think you owe an apology. <laughs> I think we're waiting on an apology now. And this is the Don Rickles of uh, former quarterbacks, Jake, the legendary but needle. But you're so overt about it. you got to be sneaky about it. No, I know. No, he's a good guy. We love him. And uh, what would you see? in the, uh, the ball game yesterday that, that might encourage you, Jake, on both sides moving, uh, moving forward for the Panthers? Listen, so you go, you go to the, the Green Bay game, and the game did not start well. And then you watch the MVP of the league and Aaron Rodgers get interviewed after the game, and there was not happiness, there was not relief, there was frustration that they couldn't – he was frustrated. We couldn't do anything. What, what was the issue? Well, I think the issue was the Panthers. They, they, some young kids started rising up and playing well, and it carried over into this game. Um, I truly felt going into this game, um, there's nothing to play for for the Panthers this year playoff-wise. There's so much to play for for the future. There's something about winning late in the year uh, with nothing to play for and just kind of going into that following season. At least that's my belief. I truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. And then you have a Washington team. You know, we, we know the whole Ron Rivera story. They're playing outstanding defensive football. Now, we got lucky Dwayne Haskins was playing and not Alex Smith, in my opinion. I think Alex would have probably tried to run the offense a, a little better than, than Dwayne. But we came out and we played with like our pants on fire, so to speak. And defensively, we're flying around. We're making interceptions. We're responding from an interception on our end to, to get another one back. And we just played – you know, relentless football. Now, second half, not as great, I guess you could say, offensively or as productive as I wish we could have been. But for the first half, we came ready to play in their home stadium. We have, they, they have a division championship to win. And we look like the team that was playing for the division championship. And that says something. I, I, hey, look, it might be meaningless. Maybe people are upset um, that some draft slotting has been affected. Who cares? I, I truly don't. I, I truly believe that. I don't think that matters in the least bit. You find, uh, you find Derek Brown next year at number seven. You find Brian Burns at wherever we drafted him, sixteen. You find Jeremy Chin in the second round. I, I, I just say, who cares? Let's win and build with these young guys that we have, and uh, we'll add pieces uh, next year. That's easy for you to say because you were a high first round pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's signing <laughs> bonus. The form- yeah. <laughs> the forty the forty dollars the Saints uh, paid me so I could uh, fill up my uh, my Pontiac to drive to New Orleans was uh, was living large. Uh, you're you're the proof that it doesn't matter where where you go or, or not go. And um, before we get to Eugene, I was going to ask you if I'm driving down the road listening, I want to hear what what Jake thinks about the, the job Teddy Bridgewater's done this year. And I'm sure like anything, it's kind of a mix of some good and some bad. But when you evaluate a, a full season of Teddy Bridgewater, what do you see out of the Panthers quarterback? Um, listen, I. In Jordan and I's podcast that we did last week, I, I was a little critical of Teddy, and 
I mentioned that he's done some very good things this year. I love his leadership. I love the way uh, he takes ownership when things don't go his way. And he probably started pressing a little too much. You go to the Denver game, trying to run the play uh, before the two-minute warning um, and things like that. On the, on the fourth down play, throwing it really at, at the – at the line of scrimmage instead of down the field when you need a first down. The quarterback sneak that was talked about in Green Bay. I thought he was pressing some. And my biggest thing was, man, let's win a game on one of these drives. We've, we've had many games that it's been late in the game. We need to win one. We need to find a way to win somehow, some way. You just got to find it. And we haven't seen that. We hadn't had seen enough of it, I guess you could say. But came out this week. This is a very good front seven for the Washington, uh, the Washington football team. Excuse me. They are talented, and they can get after the quarterback. We've had issues up front with some health-wise at the tackle position. But I think Teddy has done a really nice job. You, you're playing without your best football player on the team in, in Christian for pretty much the whole season besides two games or whatnot. Uh, but I think he's done some good things. But why not finish it off? Why not finish it off against the New Orleans Saints who's probably the top two or three roster, one of the top two or three rosters in the National Football League. Why not finish it off? Why can't we finish it off at home this week to go into the offseason and to give us some belief that, you know what, we had some ups and downs with Teddy, but we beat a team that's going to make a deep, deep, deep run into the playoffs. And, and this is what we can kind of look forward to in 2021. Well, I, too, was a little bit uh, critical on Teddy Bridgewater, and maybe for this reason, and maybe you can help clear this up, is the fact that you have no Russell Okun, and we talked, you talked about, alluded to, Christian McCaffrey not being there for the better part of the season. Does that really hamper the quarterback at his position not being able to utilize those weapons and be able to have those late-quarter drives to go ahead and score? And you would probably know. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is, and just listening to Teddy, I try to listen to his press conferences every week. I just I want to hear what he has to say. I think you can kind of pick out some things and you can tell he was almost trying to do too much and I was so guilty of that so much in my career because I always felt if somebody wasn't around like if we didn't have Steve the one year we didn't have Smitty we started out one and seven tried to do way too much and then just kind of relax and we make a big run at the end of the season we lose Jordan Gross one of our years and so we lose our stalwart left tackle and you start trying to do too much and thinking and just instead of playing the game and that's something that I think you can fall into that, Eugene. It just I think it's a human nature when when you care about it and it means so much, when it's so easy to sit back here and say, hey, just trust it and take what they give you and don't worry about who you have or who you don't have. Let's worry about who's here and how we're going to go get a win. And that's something that in listening to Matt Rule, man, it's I kind of wish I could go back and play for him. It, that's kind of the mindset and mentality that he has and it, that he resonates week in and week out. It goes a long way. Jake, we got to let you go, but I feel bad. Let's set the workout record straight. So it wasn't the Jane Fonda, was it the Richard Simmons? <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. I started doing Pilates about four years ago. Pilates is I no joke. It. Thank you. I'm so glad. <laughs> Pilates is I'm no joke. so glad. <laughs> so I do it with Brandon Mitchell, an ex-defensive lineman uh, that played for the Patriots, played many years in the NFL. And then another guy, Jamie Howard, who's a quarterback at LSU. Um, and then a, another guy that played uh, football in college. So there's a few of us. We try to do it, you know, for our, um, 
you know, for our ailments, so to speak. So I would love to get Nick Mixon in a Pilates <laughs> one-hour class with us one day. I would give anything, and we can put it on Panthers.com. <laughs> Pilates challenge. So I'm up for it, but you, you weren't, you're not wearing a headband when you do this, right? <laughs> hey, let me just you say. You know what? I would, it, 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 go ahead, Gene. No, I was going to say my daughter, she taught Pilates, and I went to a Pilates class. I will never, ever go to a Pilates class again. I had no idea your core had to be so strong. I was just absolutely terrible. Pilates is no joke, Mick. I'm telling you, it's the real deal. It is the real deal. All right, I'm going to Bro Breach, oh. Louisiana, and it's going to be Pilates City down there, <laughs> me and DeLump. Jake, we appreciate you, man, so much, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. I don't know about all of you, but most of you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jake DeLump. Bye-bye. 2019, CJ, 2019 Hall of Honor member and, of course, one of the Carolina Panthers' all-time favorite sons. Back with more next. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me. Mr. Jenkins told me to always make it easy for the customer. That's you. A live person will always be here to answer the phone. We're here till midnight, seven days a week. So you never have to take off work. And it's the same price as in the daytime. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. We're the ones you want to call. You're going to love these people. I guarantee it. Go to MorrisJenkins.com. This is Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Saw a day where it looks like 1,500 allowed in Bank of America Stadium, so that number's pared down for the 425 Carolina-New Orleans game. Until somebody starts beating New Orleans more regularly than anybody in the NFC South has, they'll, they're considered the bullies on the block. What makes them so hard to uh, to beat, fellas? Where well, does it start for you? I think it's – the offense is really good. The, the offense, I think, is one of the top offenses in the league. They can score against anybody. When you look at the offensive line and how stable they are and then the quarterback – and then that Alvin Kamara, my goodness, he's just like Christian McCaffrey. He is a game changer. You better, you better count for him. If you don't count for him, I mean, he's got 21 touchdowns. This young man is absolutely a beast. And so, and then they complemented with a really good defense too. So, from that standpoint, they really are one of the the top teams in the National Football League. Make no mistake about it. And they only get better when Drew Brees is is, is at the helm running things. And when he's at the helm running things, wow, you you. You got your hands full. I was going to say, I think Alvin Kamara had 21 touchdowns against the Lions the other night. because six rushing touchdowns. He got 16 rushing touchdowns. Uh, and then, uh, as Eugene said, the defense gets overlooked. Uh, you can't be 11-4 and with just being a one-sided team. And they're going to be mo- highly motivated because they're still in play for the number one seed in home field advantage while the Chiefs have wrapped up in the AFC. Uh, it's still in play with Green Bay and New Orleans and who's going to be the number one seed in the NFC. So uh, you're going to see not only uh, an extra week of, of health for Drew Brees coming back from those rib fractures, uh, but also the the fact that they've got something very important to play for in this game. How's Drew Brees still able to – because he doesn't just function. I mean, he's got it humming. And for years they've been saying that he's got that popcorn arm but he seems to be able to throw the ball just as far as he needs to throw it. We'll address those topics and more when we continue with Panther Talk in just a second. Panther Talk, presented by Morris Jenkins, continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. 
Usually in athletics, the gym rat is the less talented person that is trying to, uh, to, to massage the career and work ethic it to death. In athletics, it's rare that the most talented is also the hardest working. So when you get Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, uh, Luke Keekley comes to mind, always studying. Mm-hmm. Would Drew Brees be in that category? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Drew Brees is a beast. Drew Brees is the quintessential quarterback. I mean, the ability to run that offense and run it so well. The guy just had broken ribs. I mean, and he still comes back, and he's still a stellar. I mean, absolutely brilliant. He throws the ball extremely well. He has, uh, what, 21-something touchdowns. The guy only has six interceptions. He's just very, very good, and he gets the ball out of his hands very, very quickly. He can only throw the ball about 45 yards downfield, but guess what? He gets that ball out on the timing patterns. It's out of his hand quickly, so that your corner, you better be in position. If you're not in position, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a reception by that uh, receiver. No yeah, doubt about it. It actually did work with a strength and conditioning coach. So a whole offseason working on. We're talking about uh, you know lower body and core. I on just that on building his his leg strength and the drive, and it felt like that added some zip. But again, with the, the rib injury of 11 ribs, who knows? And the other thing you think about Drew Brees is when you've seen these videos of him after practice, everyone's gone. And there's no football in his hands. And he's just out there just kind of mimicking plays that he's going to run and just mentally going through all of his checks. And not even anybody else on the field, no football in his hands, just that mental component you're talking about. And then quickly, I would see him during pregame when we were in New Orleans and watching the pregame. I would watch him out, go out there early and throw the ball like incessantly. I'm going like this. He's going over every single route, a combination when he's out there. And this is pre-practice. Incredible. And, and and to hold a lead against the Saints, I mean, it's he only needs 20, 30 seconds. He can take the ball right down the field on you, zip, 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 and um, it's pretty phenomenal to watch when he's not doing it to your team. Should be a good ball game. Panthers host the Saints 425 this Sunday. So that's our show for tonight. For Eugene Robinson, for Jim Zoki, for Byron, Wendell, DL, Podcast Matt, the rest of our crew, and for our affiliates, This is Mick Mixon saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another Panther Talk right here on the proud Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Thanks for listening, and good night.